Enter now the age of apocalypse, Shiga, with your hosts, Day Spring and Scott Free. Xavier is dead. Apocalypse reigns. This is the age of apocalypse. Welcome to Power of X-Men Apocalypse, the podcast where we review every single issue of the classic reality warping high-octane epic X-Men crossover event known as Age of Apocalypse. I am your host, Dayspring. And I was cut from X-Force by Beast for being too unethical, Mr. Scott Free. (laughs) I actually had a really cool one I said yesterday, but I can't remember what it was because, oh, someone wasn't in our episode with Chad and Michelle. I mean, that's... That's on me. Like I'm, I'm, I'm going to own that. I'm going to take responsibility for that. Uh, un- unfortunately, uh, life, uh, life finds a way, and uh, I, I, I wasn't able to make it. But I'm, I'm here now to, to offer my thoughts and uh, you know, intro, intro the great talk that you had with, with those fine folks. Okay, but the fact that you just quoted Jurassic Park is literally so uncanny right now because I'm going to an event later this week and Jeff Goldblum is supposed to be there. I I don't know what I'm going to do if I see Daddy Goldblum on a fucking red carpet. I'm just going to like run to him and like just be insane. And secondly, I don't even remember the conversation I had yesterday with Chad and Michelle, but guys at home, I'm sure it's going to be wonderful. That just means you get to enjoy it for the second time. It's it's it's, it's brand new. And and kids, this is why you stay away from alcohol. <laughs> I've missed your face. How are you? I missed my face too. Um, <laughs> I, I forget that people can't see me. This is, I'm doing like I'm like voguing here. It's better that people don't see you. <laughs> wow. Wow. Wait, wait, uh, you know what we haven't spoken about? And I think we do speak about it in this episode, but what we haven't spoken about individually, you and I, is the Destiny of X trailer. That was interesting. Particularly just like I, I love the the sinister, sinister like on the bench and kind of the callback to House of X powers of X, except no Moira and Xavier. This time it was Sinister and Irene. So, I mean, like, I'm pretty excited. You know, Kieran Gillian is a wonderful, wonderful writer. I loved his X-Men. I think he did Generation Hope, but he also did, most importantly, Young Avengers Volume 2. And I thought that was so good. I mean, I'm just excited. Like, just bring him here. Because I remember, like, Generation Hope was kind of like, and then he came on. And it was really good. Or wait, I think he was Generation Hope number one. Anyways, don't matter. I loved his Generation Hope. I loved his Young Avengers run. And I think it's going to be an interesting direction for like the X stuff to go in. I mean, I've been vocal about this to like no end. I haven't been really reading the weekly books. And this is making me excited again. Like I really want to read this x-men immortal x-men like i'm i'm here for it let's do it i think it's gonna be a lot of fun so yeah i'm here for it i'm excited you know destiny and sinister having a history together we've seen that in our coverage of legion quest project black womb where they were experimenting on like mutant babies and i believe 
Chad mentions in this episode that he's been reading some of Irene's earlier appearances. And one of them, she is around Moira and Xavier. And she notes that she can't see the future because there's this big disruption around her. So nice little nod there. So you know what? Like, let's see how they're going to tie in more of Irene's history to the X-Men history. I'm I'm here for it. Like you, I kind of got into a rut with the weeklies and it, like I, I've continued to read them. It just felt like they were sort of like running in place, waiting for the next thing. And uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to this uh, kind of kicking off a new new wave and like new era. Yeah. And you know what? Like I say this all the time, like when we spoke to Jordan D. White last year, he was here like not every book is made for every reader. And I, I will say the same thing. Not every era is for every reader. I think, you know, the, the books towards the end of Reign of X sort of lost their footing. But I think they're coming back now with Destiny of X. So I'm excited. Onwards to the future. Yes. As we pivot to talking about comic from 1994. <laughs> X-Men yeah. number 41. Legion Quest, part four of four. I, I enjoyed this simply because it just it leans in on the like the what the fuck kind of factor it's like you you have literally like past magneto fighting legion in the sky and past magneto is literally just like i don't know who the hell you are or like what you're doing and like what what and, and david's just like screaming stuff at him like oh you ruined uh, daddy's dream and, <laughs> and, and, and uh, Magne- Magneto is just like I have no idea what the hell you're talking about and he's here like wow you sound a little bit like Xavier saying humans and mutants coexisting Gosh, I don't know how many times I have to drive the point home that like he is Xavier's son from the future Xavier and Gabby's son from the future like I just feel like Everything in the prose is like, why does he sound like Xavier? Like, did he just say he was my son from the future? It's like, yes, we all, the reader knows it. You only have to say it once for the characters, not to be salty. Yes, exactly. And you're also telepathic and you can probably pick that up from (laughs) him, maybe. But in our our last episode, we talked a lot about with um, Dave from the Imperius Rex show, the kind of cringy Legion uh interaction with his mother uh no mention of that in this issue they moved on from that very quickly which was good to see i mean there's no indication in the art that she because at the end of issue or part three she's all tattered and her mascara's running and here she's here like xavier you need to wake up this guy just told me he's my son from the future and she looks perfectly fine and it's like um Okay, like, again, not to like, just beat a dead horse here with, you know, talking about this. I just, I don't understand what the purpose of having such a strong scene like that was. And for it to just go nowhere, it almost feels that editorially, they were like, shit, like, this actually is a terrible thing. Like, let's not do it. But I get it. You know, this was to showcase how evil David was and how demented he was. And I think you, you are... You or Dave actually mentioned the Oedipus complex. I think, yeah, I, I, it might have been me. Mm, look at that. Yeah. A broken clock is right twice a day. Wow. <laughs> wow. You know what? Uh, mm. uh, mm. oh. 
continuing our coverage of uh, this issue, I, I think it's also interesting and in, in all of Legion Quest in the past, um, Charles is drawn exactly the same, even though he's 20 years younger. And it's like, I get it. He's, he's bald. Um, so you can't fall back on the trick of just like, you know, gray versus not gray, but like he literally is just drawn exactly the same. So is Eric slash Magnus. He's drawn exactly the same. He looks no different than, well, I guess his, like we see his crystallized, present form like he's like all scruffy and stuff like that but it doesn't matter like he for all intents and purposes he looks like a late 50s you know individual when he's supposed to probably be in his early to mid 30s and yeah yeah there that's the one thing that like i can understand where like a casual reader would pick up this issue in the 90s and be like what the fuck is going on i don't i can't follow this along because it doesn't really help you you know what I mean? But that being said, though, I do think it's a really fun issue. And, you know, I think I was hard on the last issue because I thought it was inconsequential. This one, you know, looking at it from a critical editorial eye, there are things that like I would obviously clean up. But like I think at the core of it, like the X-Men, the time displaced X-Men have just regained their memories. They yeah. go to battle Legion. I mean, like Iceman like takes on Legion. And I think I mentioned in the episode I really like that Bobby has like subconscious barriers he puts on himself because that's something we'll see later on in House of M where everyone's depowered and Bobby's like, I'm depowered too. But actually JK turned out he just put a self-imposed like barriers on him. But it leads into the character history and everything he went with like Emma Frost recently. Because I think we even mentioned, we were like, oh, why does he look exactly like the same from before Emma took over his body. And it's because he purposely put those, you know, subconscious barriers in there. I'm sorry, not purposely, but um, I love that fight, you know, RIP. I think this is the last issue we'll ever see Betsy's Bob again. She's going to go put on hair extensions when they come back in X-Men alpha after age of apocalypse is over and her hair is back down to her butt again. So, you know, RIP. R.I.P. Um, to this Demi Moore Bob, which she does look immaculate in. It's actually grown on me. I think there's there's a couple interesting like beats in this. You know, Rogue and Gambit kissing in the desert. Uh, Warren showing up to spend like his final moments with uh, Scott and Gene. You got like you know three of the um, three of the original five together and um also even even apocalypse seeing apocalypse in the past even though i've read legion quest before and age of apocalypse before it really like this is the origin story of age of apocalypse in their history does that kind of like make sense like in their in their time this is like how things unfolded and apocalypse waking up and eric here like this is the eric that will go on to be the age of apocalypse eric and it's, I, it, yeah, obviously it's no duh, but I've just never thought about it like that. I don't know why. Like in my head, it's like Xavier dies and like reality just gets reskinned. And we pick up with like Magneto leading the X-Men. But I was like, no, this is, this is that Magneto. So it was just like a little cool thing. And seeing Apocalypse there, I forgot Apocalypse was in it initially. I was like, yeah, he's awakened. And this is why he awoken because of this fight. I also think he was absent in the main in the regular X books for a little bit around this time. I can't 
remember exactly, but I know there was a period in the 90s where he was um, not as not as prominent, but um, I might also be confusing years. And then, uh, like, you know, you mentioned at the end when the McCran crystal is spreading and you see, um, like, the acolytes up on the space station, uh, you see them crystallize, you see um, Exodus, Fabian Cortez, this whole parade of just, like, 90s uh, freaks and weirdos. And it's great. Um, it's a nice callback. You forgot the most important person, though, that gets crystallized. Oh, God. I thought he was going to be so extreme that he would not be crystallized. Uh, <laughs> no, bitch. He was like the first one. Like the fucking universe is like, we got to set all of creation, reset all of creation. We're going to start with Adam X. Bye. Our poor it, little it, baby there. It, inexplicably fighting. Looks <laughs> like Eric the Red. Oh, that's right. It is Eric the Red. I don't think I noted that. I was just like random devil looking character in my head. Wolverine stabbing somebody in the face. Is it Sabretooth? Because uh, last time we saw him, he was fighting Sabretooth. Yeah, I think it's Sabretooth. Originally, I had it down as like Kurt question mark. And then yeah. looking at it again, it's like, yeah, it's what's Yeah, Where is Kurt during all of this? We see Gen X. We see X-Force, but I don't see Nightcrawler. I, uh, I don't think you see Nightcrawler in this at all in Legion Quest. No, I don't think um, we have seen him. Hang on, I'm like flipping through everything here. Yeah, no, no. Is no. he is he still with Excalibur? Yeah, I think he would be. Point? Yeah, he would yeah. be with Excalibur at this point. But unlike Betsy, he's going to be playing a major role in Age of Apocalypse. So we're here for that. We're here yeah. for that. I was thinking about it like Legion Quest as a whole, like all four issues plus everything we read building up to it. I can appreciate it. I think it was only like. The only time I actually thought it wasn't sticking the landing were the last two issues we read. And that's just because like, I felt like there were a lot of like plots being thrown at us. Like there's a whole fucking legion of watchers. There's a guardian of the M Kron crystal coming out. Like Lalandra is put on high alert. Destiny is giving visions, like everything, like the stakes are so raised and momentum has been building and it doesn't really go anywhere i mean xavier dies but all of the stuff that they used to build up i was like why don't they have the watchers coming to like this legion of watchers come to stop legion like what doesn't make any sense to me they're lazy and the shiar just like hey we're gonna help you build this very elaborate pointless machine and bye the, the shiar are just kind of like oh yeah we're we're here here's this machine and now everybody's dead congrats congrats what I do appreciate is that everything has been mining from like X-Men history. I mean, Apocalypse, Legion, who are, by the way, these characters, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. These are relatively new characters at the time. They've been around for less than a decade. I think Apocalypse is probably at like eight or nine years at this point. And I, I just feel like they really took these characters and like gave them very like pivotal stories and I appreciate that. There was a lot of momentum and tension building, and it paid off. I mean, if you're a reader in the 90s, you're like, oh, my God, they just killed Xavier and all of the books are canceled. So it paid off. I think, yeah, Apocalypse has been around for eight years at this point. First appears in 86. So it's like, that's, yeah, but that's not 
that long ago as far as like the scope of x-men stuff and um legion had appeared in 85 so again same sort of deal and it's like yeah this this really particularly with legion who is mostly in a coma for a lot of his appearances before this this actually really helps to flesh out um legion because otherwise like i think before this he he kills destiny uh, he fights the new mutants and then he's in a coma yeah and that's about it so it's like this is really good character development um for legion it's actually even though he dies in it it's good character development for uh xavier is a he's actually finally taking responsibility for his children which is nice and also just seeing like past charles and like where some of it came from his relationship with eric i you know legion quest uh, doesn't really stand up on its own because you know it's entirely designed to lead into age of apocalypse like i wouldn't just read it as like a standalone thing but i think it does a really good job of fleshing out all those characters and leading into uh aoa it's like endangered species for Messiah Complex. It's a great appetizer to get into it. Except I think this, like it, Messiah Complex, you can read and it, it's sort of inclusive. But I, you do need to read Legion Quest in order to start Age of Apocalypse. Otherwise, you would just be profoundly confused. Especially since this scene where Xavier dies, spoiler alert, will play a role in the end of Age of Apocalypse. But and, and and the the theory I was telling you about you guys about last time where you know the internet was like did he impregnate you know his mom with himself I mean the narrative quite clearly says here um, that David Holler was never born so I mean that's pretty definitive he did not he did not impregnate his mom but again I think editorial was just like bye we're not touching this anymore like this was a horrible like story idea that tied up uh, nicely Legion ceases to exist. Ceases and, uh, to exist. So so begins the uh, the age of apocalypse. Yeah, and we have cable number twenty next up, which will just be like the final moments that like Gene, Scott, Cable, and Domino all have together. And we spoke with Ian Churchill. Well, I spoke with Ian Churchill because someone had work. God, how dare you have to pay rent? Look, I, I got to pay for all that spandex somehow. So. <laughs> That's right. What would the internet do without you and spandex? I mean, it'd be a boring place. They would ignore my horrible opinions. I mean, that's... Oh my that's God, happened. you just posted something so funny on Twitter about like the new Pokemon reveals. I forgot what you said, but I literally was like on the subway home from lunch and I laughed out loud. Well, then my, my job is done. Enjoy this interview with Chad and Michelle, where we go into great detail about this issue and we break it down panel for panel without Scott, sadly. But that's why we have this pickup so the internet can rejoice and you guys can stop sending me hate mail when Scott isn't in an episode. Keep sending, keep sending <laughs> those messages. Welcome to Power of X-Men Apocalypse, the podcast where we review every single issue of the classic reality warping high octane epic X-Men crossover event known as the Age of Apocalypse. I am your guest host, Chad Anderson from the Grey Malkin Lane podcast and to me, my X-Men podcasters. And 
I am your mainstay host. What you get when Xavier is almost assassinated by his son, but meets someone else at a bar in Hoffa and drinks till 5 a.m. with Dayspring. <laughs> oh nice. God, that's a lot to unpack. <laughs> I literally just made that up last word. And I'm Michelle Waffle Otero. Feeling like Moira McTaggart on the run who just went blonde because blondes have more fun. Yes, they do. <laughs> I was a blonde when I first met you. So I know firsthand that blondes do have more fun. Yes. I was a blonde for like one month. I was 21 years old. I had just gotten off my Mormon two-year mission and I dyed my hair like blonde highlights. And then I was the, I was the best man at my best friend's wedding at the time and so the only place there are any photos of me blonde are in his like all of his wedding albums <laughs> and I look terrible it's not a good look <laughs> I love that you went blonde in a crisis you're like I just had a major shift I did too I literally woke up one morning the, the stereotype of gays going through a crisis and bleaching their hair is so true I woke up one morning I was like I want to be Doug Ramsey today and literally went to Bumble and Bumble and like eight hours later because my hair is so dark, it had to do a double process. And I didn't want to get that buta red color. In Miami, they call it buta red when it's that like orangey brassy color. And um, yeah, 10 hours later. I was, uh, I was, I, I was in crisis. I wasn't out yet, but Mormon, Mormon missionaries live by so many like crazy strict rules. I think dyeing my hair was like a sign of like, woohoo, I'm free. It was like a really lame version of like reclaiming my identity somehow. I don't know. Yeah, it didn't work out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you look incredible as a blonde and I in know. like a tux. I bet you clean up so good. Well, I, you know, now I might agree when I was 22 and looked 13, not so much. <laughs> I love how Michelle and I have been thirsty for you, Chad. <laughs> like, you guys are really good for my ego. <laughs> We're like, for those of you at home, we've been calling him Zaddy Banshee. <laughs> We're like uh, talking about what cosplay we should do and how he will be Zaddy Banshee. Well, and the irony is both of you are very, very attractive yourselves. So I will take the compliments. Thank you very much. Thank you. Facts. We are attractive. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, it has been such an insane week with X News. And I thought yesterday I was like, oh, OK, we're going to end out the week kind of quietly. And no, they dropped the freaking Destiny of X trailer. I am so excited for Kieran Gillen to come back. I think it's going, I, f I feel like Immortal X-Men is in a way going to be the flagship title for Krakoa. I feel like uh, he's going to be setting stuff up for the whole line. Uh, and so that trailer that opens up with, it's kind of the recreation of Moira whispering into Xavier's ear on the park bench, but this time you see Destiny whispering something to Mr. Sinister and he collapses on the ground. I mean, both of these characters have been around for, you know, a long, long time. Uh, I think there's some really crazy shit coming up and I'm, I'm actually really excited. I'm really, really excited for Immortal X-Men. I have been kind of not feeling the weekly books. I've been very vocal about this, but seeing this trailer and Immortal X-Men, I'm like, yes, yes, yes. And Sinister and Irene do have a history together. And we discovered that also in uh, Messiah Complex and Legion Quest. They were part of something called the Project Black Womb, where they were experimenting on mutant babies. Sinister, her, and then Xavier's father, and then stepfather, Juggernaut's father. So I'm excited to see if they're going to lean into that. So I got a little distracted. Chad took off his hoodie. 
<laughs> I was thinking that too. I was gonna say something. I was like, I was like I'm trying to form thoughts. But I, can't. I like is the gun show. <laughs> I haven't worked out in a month. There will be a gun show someday. I love how like you haven't worked out in a month and you look like that. Like I don't work out. If I have a slice of pizza, I have a poo belly, and that's it. Like I I'm can't fit into my tank tops. I'm gonna walk out of this and tell my partner like. I am so hot. And him like, yeah, yeah, you're fine. <laughs> you're like, I feel really good about myself. I feel really right good now. about myself right Sinister, now. Sinister also, I, I'm I'm getting ready for a crazy Magneto episode coming up on Grey Malkin. And I'm super fucking pumped about it. I'll tell you more later if you want. But Sinister also was experimenting on people in concentration camps when Magneto and his family were in concentration camps. Yeah. He has connections to everybody, man. Yeah, and they've really built up Sinister in the Krokoan era. And I'm kind of glad that he looks like there will be a focus on him in um, in Immortal X-Men because I thought he was a little bit too theatrical and funny at times. Like, I want to see him, le- I want them to lean into him being a creepy geneticist with a very convoluted history. And we did get that in Hawksbox, don't get me wrong. But, you know, his main presence has been in Hellions and that was more of a quirky book, which I'm fine with. But I'm glad we're going to take his backstory a bit more seriously now. Is his, maybe, because there's multiple Sinisters, right? Like, I haven't followed Hellions too much, but I know that, like, he's got, like, clones or something, like a world of clones. Maybe this version of Sinister isn't the most up-to-date version. Maybe it's a different one that they pulled out. You know, maybe, I don't know, like, it... It seems kind of wild. That trailer showed a lot of stuff, and I, I just don't know what to expect. To be I, honest, I am with you because we do know that he splices himself with Proud Star DNA, and that's how we get mutant Sinister, according mm. to like the Sinister like newsletter that was in Hawksbox, <laughs> or maybe that was like later. I'm forgetting what what was it called. It was, like, it was in Hawksbox. Uh, the Red Diamond. The Red Diamond. So I'm hey, I am here for it. I'm excited. I love that our girl Irene is back. She is fabulous. Her and Mystique are by like a river in Krokoa wearing beautiful hats, as we saw in that preview, which was a homage to uh, the Kevin cover. Oh, but I'm curious, what are Emma Magneto fighting about? I think it's probably something to do with the governance of Krakoa, but I don't know that we know the storyline yet. Can I tell you though, I am rereading all of Moira McTaggart's appearances in order right now. Mm-hmm. And there's the very first time that she and Destiny meet during the, okay, so Mystique leads the Brotherhood to go to try to assassinate Robert Kelly. You guys remember that story? Yeah. And there's a moment where uh, Destiny, like, Moira's pushing Professor X off in a wheelchair. And now that we now that we know what we know about Moira, she sees Destiny and Mystique walk in and is like, oh fuck, oh fuck, oh fuck. But we didn't know <laughs> that at the time. But but Destiny walks in and she's trying to use her powers and she's like, there's a great white spot. There's something blocking me from seeing the future. And Moira is right there. And now we're reading this shit in Hawk's Fox all these years later. And I'm like, what? Like there's Easter eggs way back at the beginning. It's amazing. 
I, it's so funny. On an unrelated note, I sort of picked up on something here with this final issue of Legion Quest that actually is used later on in something, and we'll discuss and we get into the episode. But I love that people, that we have smart writers, especially someone like Hickman, when he was getting ready to do Hawksbox, he's here like, X-Men history matters. And I've looked back on everything and I'm creating the story. And it's all there. Mm-hmm. I mean, with Moira and Mystique and Destiny, it has always been there. So, I mean, Moira's, yeah, Moira's 10, 10 lifetimes. It doesn't contradict her character history, which is insane. Well, I guess now 11, but <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. We'll <laughs> I have feels on that, but that is an entirely different conversation. I'm kind of looking forward to the, what is it? The, not Swords of X. Um, it's Knights of X. The Knights of X. Yes, Knights of X. I wasn't really into it before, but after the trailer, I'm really excited to see where that goes. I feel like it's going to be a wild ride. <laughs> one of my one of my next episodes coming out on Grey Vulcan has Bob Quinn in it, who's the artist on that book. And hearing him talk and the amount of enthusiasm he had for it, I was already excited, but I'm like triply excited now. He's really pumped. I want to be excited. I'm just tired of Otherworld, but I have an open heart. I think Teeny Howard is a phenomenal writer and Bob mm-hmm. Quinn, mm, chef's kiss. So I, I, I need a little bit more of a sell on Otherworld narratives. I get tired of Krakoa. It's like Krakoa this, Krakoa that. And I'm like, let's go to Otherworld, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Both uh, both Marauders and Excalibur in their last runs kind of lost their vision along the way. You know what I mean? They became something else over time. And I think both the new versions of Marauders and Knights of X are going to refocus on what that original vision was. So I'm actually, I'm, I'm definitely willing to give it another try. Let's do it. Destiny of X. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. So you know what else happened this week? We had a Hasbro live stream and they're announcing animated storm. Oh, you know, I pre-ordered that girl. I'm looking at you right now. You have a whole wall of Marvel legends behind you. <laughs> I know. Where are you going to put these? You can't mount them. No, see, look, I cleared a space right there. <laughs> I took down my slab wall, my slab shelves. So there's that. And then I kind of knew like there were some things coming. I didn't know what, mm-hmm. like I, somebody told me that some stuff was happening and that I should definitely make space on my shelf. So I was like, okay, <laughs> I'm, I'm prepared myself. There's an old random member of the nasty boys named slab and he has a toy version. So when you said you had a slab wall, my brain initially thought you had multiple action figures of slab. And I'm like, Oh God, I like the nasty boys. <laughs> the nasty boys got Gene and Cyclops. <laughs> to quote Lenore Zan. <laughs> Ms. Otero, if you're nasty. Yeah. <laughs> I guess Ms. Waffle if you're nasty. I don't, well, I don't know. Miss Otero, I guess, because I'm married. Oh, that's true. Waffle Otero. My apologies. It's I right. love I love your last names. Thank you. I have two. Sometimes yeah, I, I know. forget. I'm I like, do, too. Am I Waffle or Waffle Otero? I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> waffle is more marketable. <laughs> They're great. Both of them are great names. Chad, I don't know this about you. Do you collect Marvel Legends? No, I've never been much of a toy collector. Uh, I had lots of books and things for years, and then I got rid of them all when I had kids because I needed more room for kids. And now everything is digital. So yeah. uh, this like art wall behind me is like the nerdiest thing you're going to find in my home. 
I saw that you posted that. That looks so great. Some of those Isn't prints. So Wait, what, do you, what are the prints you yeah. have there? Uh, so, I mean, they're all by different artists and I posted online, but I'm having different uh, artists commission original, uh, excuse me, the X-Men in their original costumes. So I've got a lot more coming, but I've got Angel and Marvel Girl and Cyclops and Mimic and Iceman and Namor and Toad and Eunice and Mastermind so far uh, with Magneto on his way and a few others being done shortly. So. So in terms of the animated series, you know, figures that we're getting in honor of the 30th celebration, so excited for it. You know, I mean, Michelle, you know what a crazy Marvel Legends, you know, collector I am as well. I wish we lived in the same city so we can go hunting together. I love hunting Marvel Legends. I love hunting too. It's my favorite thing to do. I sometimes just like on my jog, like I jog every morning, I'll just jog through Target. (laughs) <laughs> like literally going to Target, kind of jogging just to check out the Marvel Legends section. But, you know, we know Toad is coming in honor of the 20th anniversary of Marvel Legends. They haven't yet shown him. And I was confused because Dan Hu from Dan Hu Reviews posted a photo of the 20th anniversary Tony Stark, which I'm so excited for as well. I know. <laughs> were you the one who told me michelle no one asked for this figure <laughs> well no one asked for that one either but I, in the, the new wave that they announced oh the, um, the new one they gave you another tony stark and i'm like did we want this like <laughs> how many iron mans do we have like can we get somebody else yeah i it's i, I i'm excited for that wave just because i want like harold thor and viper i think for sure yeah and then and then maria hill slash uh quake i like that there were two ladies in the wave i mean they've done it before but it's nice to see more female figures because if a wave is just all guys i tend to not same like get anything Unless it's going to be like a jim lee cyclops or something like that i'm like i'm not gonna like 90s yeah but it's yeah. it's interesting. We spoke with Ryan Ting last year, and I asked him about that shift, about having more female figures present in a wave. Because at the time, one of the X waves, I think it was like four female figures. And when you're talking to a boy who grew up in the '90s, who it was, you never got the female figure, and if you did, it was only one, and she was impossible to find. I'm thinking of the Rogue figure, the original oh Rogue gosh. figure in that wave. Yeah. You couldn't find her, and she was one, and that's it. You would have four more waves, and. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just because that's what the there's no longer this presumption that like the girl toys don't sell like everyone just they want the characters. And that's why we're getting awesome characters. But the other thing they announced too this week was a Mafex Storm as well. And I fucking love the Mafex figures so much. And they're pricey as fuck, man. Like this storm is like almost 90, 100 dollars. I think 100 with tax after I pre-ordered her. But she comes with extra heads, right? Like there's yeah. two extra heads and you get some cool accessories. So hopefully. So I'm well, down. you can get the Mafex or you can get the uh, the Hasbro 90s cell storm. Okay, but I love that it was announced this very week the Hasbro team. <laughs> Mafex announced- is like, hold up. Yeah, I mean, like, I wonder if there's some shady shit happening <laughs> behind the scenes. And one time I posted the the Sentinel, the Haslab Sentinel with the Mafix figures, and Ryan Ting commented with a side eye. 
I was like, holy fucking shit. Because like they released an Age of Apocalypse Magneto randomly that doesn't even go with the vibe they're doing, the Mafex people. It doesn't go with their vibe. And then the very week we get an animated storm announcement. You know, Mm, I know. Mm. Maybe. So somebody there's a mole somewhere and somebody's leaking info and they're helping to fuel this rivalry. If you guys, anyone listening knows about this rivalry, we will take it. We love being shady as fuck on this podcast. So give us that scolding hot tea. I don't have any opinions because I don't know the difference between the toys. <laughs> First of all, you call them toys. These are collectible. Action figure, collectible action How figures. dare you? Now you have to it's take like, off another layer of clothes. I, well, I just did. You just can't see it. <laughs> All right, so we are reading X-Men number 41 entitled Dreams Die by Fabian Nicieza and Ron Garney and Andy Kubert. Legion is battling Magneto and Hafa as the time-displaced X-Men have just regained their memories from Cable. Psylocke can't locate this era's Xavier because he was knocked out by Legion. Gabby tells Xavier that this mysterious stranger claimed to be her son, and Charles says it's the dawn of Homo Superior, and a genetic bomb is going off right before them. Psylocke is finally able to locate the professor, and he puts Gabby to sleep as the time-displaced X-Men finally meet up with their mentor. Xavier recognizes Storm as a little girl who pickpocketed him just a few weeks earlier. There's a lot. Mm. Bring it. Bring it. Just go, go. So, I mean, the biggest, oof, the biggest problem with this whole storyline, and I reread this whole four parts uh, in prep for this. The, ugh, I hate it. I so, Legion goes back into the past. He's posing as a mental patient. He meets his own mother. Then he takes on the form of his father to seduce his mother briefly, but then lets her go. I don't understand why that piece of the story became necessary. We talked about this last week with Imperius Rex. It is not, what was the point of that? What, what was, I don't, here's the thing. If you want to tell a very hard story, go for it, you know, give us some kind of moral or lesson, but literally the art in the last issue ends with her tattered mascara running. And here we pick up, and she's presumably she's drawn just fine as if she was not just a victim of sexual assault. Why did they, why, why have that story to begin with? Why? Yeah. Incest was not a necessary part of this storyline. Well, and it's not even just like the incest incest aspect of it. Back when this issue first came out in the nineties, I remember reading on the message board, everyone was like, Oh, he impregnated his mom with himself. Ew. So he is his own father, but there's nothing, but in this issue, there's no, evidence of that because it literally the as, as we continue on in the in the issue it literally says legion ceases to exist you know as well i'm paraphrasing whatever it said so why why did they include that nasty fucking scene it's oh it's gross i think legion maybe has like some some issues because he's he's on this mission he wants to save his family basically like he even mentions in one of the panels that like once he kills Magneto, like his mom and dad can be together again. And I think maybe he's blaming Magneto for his broken home. Like my parents didn't make it together because of Magneto, basically. And I think him being with his mom 
is like he just like he genuinely loves her but it might be some kind of like misplaced love yeah and and i agree misplaced love and also like some sort of oedipus (laughs) complex there as well i mean it's not healthy i'm not trying to defend like what he did but (laughs) i just i just see like he does have love for his mom he has love for his parents and it's just like he's just taking it to the like very extreme and uncomfortable like places from a psychological standpoint chad (laughs) yeah yeah i i'm actually going to treat it a little differently instead of trying to diagnose legion i feel like male writers in the 90s i think one way to make them appear well let me try this uh, one way they tried to make male characters who were bad guys appear to be extra vile or extra evil would be by having them become kind of predatory or like really creepy with fragile women. Uh, and so there's something almost rapey about that scene where he poses as Xavier. And it's almost like they're trying to do that not to say, hey, sex with your mom is okay, but instead to say, look how dark and evil Legion is. Look look at this dark side of him that's showing forth here. Um, but it's just yucky because the next thing we can talk about in this issue, X-Men 41, is Xavier, uh, which is frankly writing character for him. Uh, if we treat this canonically and we treat all the stuff that's happened, he comes to this hospital he helps Gabrielle Haller heal her mind. This is back that flashback from Uncanny X-Men 161, which is so classic. And then he immediately engages in a sexual relationship with the woman who's supposed to be his patient and who has come out of a like catatonia from being in concentration camps. She becomes pregnant. And in this scene, we see him comforting her initially and then knocking her out. Like, you can't handle anymore, so I'm just going to zap your brain and leave you unconscious while while daddy handles the business, right? Like, that, that like, predatory note of... It, it becomes attached to these characters because we, you know, we watch these characters over time. But we see writers who feel like those types of stories become necessary. It's okay for him to knock her out. It's okay for Legion to pose as Xavier and then sexualize his mom. Like that became an acceptable trope in storytelling. And you can see it, if you are if you go back and watch like episodes of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, there's that same kind of like, it's great storytelling, but there's that like predatory, misogynistic, like bend to a lot of the dialogue, particularly with characters like Xander. Uh, and you're just like, ugh, like that does not stand up well, but they felt like that was okay. Like it was completely socially acceptable to write their male characters like that. I think you said it very well. Like, uh- I I concur. <laughs> I no, I absolutely concur as well with you. And I think there was this level of standard in the 90s of how you depicted someone who had been so deranged that they wanted to, you know, come back in time and their predators even to their own mom. Like no one is safe because he is this far down the rabbit hole. I just think and and to echo what we were talking about at the beginning of this discussion, what with the exception of that, what was the ultimate purpose of even including a scene like that and being wildly inconsistent with the scene? Because again, in this issue, she's saying that like, Oh, that man is claim that mysterious strangers claiming to be our son or my son. So he didn't actually say that to her in the last issue. He just, you know, they, they kind of grope each other. She thinks it's Xavier and they, you know, they, it cuts away. 
And then it picks up with her on the floor, tattered. And then this one picks up with her being like, this guy, I'm looking fine. This guy's claiming to be my son. So I'm just curious editorially what the decision with that was. And I feel like maybe the way I'm seeing is that they kind of went back on that or they just weren't on the same page because this is pre, you know, Zoom, pre Slack. So, you know, the issues are being planned out and maybe, you know, some decisions were made. I don't know. I well, Or maybe Gabrielle just had time to go to the bathroom and freshen up her makeup <laughs> before she came to ask for help. Yeah. But, you know, like the, the thing that I just, it's funny because one of those things for me has always stood out. Like this is a horrible act Legion does. It's so infamous. It's so part of X-Men history, right? If you're really knee deep in it and actually seeing it play out, play out in the story. It's not even just that, like, I don't like, I, I see exactly why he is this deranged and diabolical, but like, why did it happen? Period. Much like other stuff in Legion quest with like the watchers showing up at the end of an issue. And then that's it. We never get the watchers again. You would think all of reality is in peril here. Um, what's the what's the guardian of the Mcron crystal's name? Jaff or Jeff? I'm forgetting. And the and the the I think, Legion. I think his name is Jaff. Jaff. Oh my god! Now I can remember that. Jaff. <laughs> Jaff. Yes, Jaff. Jaff. And and like the whole horde of of uh, watchers, the Legion of Watchers. <laughs> I'm just like, why were they even there to begin with? Like, it, it just seems like they threw so much at this story and not much of it kind of played out in a, in a significant way. I did not prepare for this conversation, but I could prepare for this conversation. Marvel time travel, the rules are ever shifting, right? So this is off of memory, not off of research. So if I get anything wrong, just shoot me a message. That's fine. But you have no, don't story- worry, we're always wrong on this podcast. <laughs> well, you have storylines when characters travel through time. If you go to the future, no big deal because you're having a future experience. But when you come back to the past, you're altered, right? Yeah. If it's the different, if you go back to the past, you have the opportunity to alter or change events. And there are some storylines in which you alter those events and it changes your future, meaning you come back to the future and everything is different. But what we really know happens is when you alter events, it creates an alternate timeline. So there's a different branch of time, meaning in which you come back forward into the future, you're in the altered timeline or in your own timeline based on where you land, right? Um, There are also times when it all just kind of works together. Like the original X-Men travel forward in time, they have all this crazy shit happen, they get their memories altered, and then they go back to the past and it's just one sequence of events. But part of what makes Legion Quest so weird is the stakes are so high. When you see the Watchers show up, that's your sign in Marvel that something really fucking big is about to happen. But in this issue, and we'll get to it, we also have the Shi'ar and the McCrane Crystal and all that shit that's going down. And like all of reality is going to be affected by Legion's decisions. But why? Wait, so I, Why I, doesn't I, it just create an alternate timeline and that's it? Why is all of reality going to be shattered as a result of this decision? Absolutely. And that's, oh, I feel like that's such another different conversation too, especially when they bring <laughs> back Age of Apocalypse for the 10th anniversary. But it's fine. I, I, what you said though, I agree with so wholeheartedly. I think why Legion Quest sticks out for me. I do love Legion Quest, despite what I have said these last two episodes. <laughs> I do like Legion Quest because exactly what you just said right now, Chad, the stakes are high and, and they and they go above and beyond to show you like Jaff 
and like the Legion of Watchers and the Shi'ar, everyone is assembling to be like, time is fucked right now. And there is literally a crystallized wave coming and it is going to destroy the universe. The stakes are so fucking high, but then it's like, okay, but why didn't the Watchers do something? Like, I I know that's off their purpose, but the Shi'ar, like, I'm still confused. What, why is Lalandra, you know, not present with them there why did they build a machine and then leave earth right and then that that the whole thing in the last issue where they built this machine to tap into cable's latent tele you know time traveling powers and gene is going to be holding him together and he's going to project into like girl like this plot is so needlessly convoluted when you already have so much more substance in the back here okay so bishop is like from the future right and like now he's from, so he's from, from the future from a future okay from a future <laughs> from a future he goes back to the past to try and like help fix things and then he gets sent even further back to help fix things and you know when we get to the end of the issue he's like he's the only one that knows what's happening i, I think that's what the issue was saying is like all he's this all this time is being like altered all these people's lives are changing except for bishop and it's like Okay, but so he didn't see any of this coming. <laughs> you didn't well, see this coming. I mean, I I'll, I'll answer that like actually very honestly. So if we're offering, here's the present. Bishop comes from the future, and him being here automatically creates a different timeline. So his own future is going to be set with a particular set of events that led to it. But by him being in the past, particularly him staying in the past, he's completely altered the future. Mm. Uh, so I think certain things happened and certain things didn't. Right. He goes crazy when hope comes or there's all that shit, but there's other stuff that he could never have predicted because it probably didn't play out that way on his world. Yeah, they retcon it so much like Bishop's purpose. Like first it was a traitor. Then he was searching for the mutant messiah who would like destroy them. It's just, you know, it's so convoluted with Bishop, but I agree like his by his mere presence in the present his future is already altered or there's a separate timeline because of the observer effect, not the observer effect, but the fact that he's just there. But another thing that I kind of stood out for me in this issue, and they've been repeating this so much throughout Legion quest is when Xavier's looking at this team of X-Men and, you know, he sees a man who could turn into ice and this big guy who can absorb energy. And then for Psylocke, an Asian telepath with a British accent question mark. And they keep saying this over and over again, like as if an Asian person with, with a British accent is so unusual. So, you know, I thought that that was one of the things in the narrative I wasn't wild about, but you know, the, the storm scene, Xavier and referencing the pickpocketing thing, that's obviously from X-Men 117. And I like that. They, I really love how like, that, that, that panel right here, like all of them coming together and like Xavier realizes it's her. I thought it was very beautiful. Like the art really got me there. And there's some really fun payoffs for long-term X-Men fans in this issue. If you're reading in the 90s, they're going back to these classic Claremont stories and referencing Xavier and Magneto's history here. Uh, it's, it's really smart. Um, I'll save more commentary on this for just a minute, but I think Legion Quest at its essence is just a father-son story. There's a kid saying, dad, I need you to notice me or I'll do something drastic. And then it results in, of course, the Age of Apocalypse, which is a brilliant time uh, for X-Men stories. Uh, I, I think it's great. So I, I, I think this story ultimately is, is a Legion and Charles story. I think that's what it is down when you boil it down to its heart essence. 
Psylocke's hair looks amazing. Oh my god. <laughs> Bob, but I was like, oh girl. R.I.P. This is the last issue the Bob will appear in. That's it. Once they pick up back in X-Men Prime, her hair is long again. Yeah, this is a short lived And she cut it at the beginning of our Age of Apocalypse read. I believe it was X-Men number 38. And Jean comments on it. And she's here like, oh, LOL, I cut my hair and I'm sorry. Hit on your husband. <laughs> it was really funny. But we talk about the Bob a lot because in some issues, it's longer than it actually is supposed to be. But yeah, or in like we- a Bob, maybe she just like flips it up. You know how you can fake it. A yeah. Bit. Can we take one step back too and just talk about how gorgeous this cover is as well? <sighs> the Andy Kubert Professor X cradling <sighs> Professor. I mean, Magneto cr- cradling Professor X's body. It's gorgeous. It really is very pretty. The it's- art in this book is just it's beautiful. It's beautiful storytelling. Like you almost don't even need words. It's I so agree. Nice. It's so funny because when I was looking at this, I was just like. I don't know. It, it's so weird when you think of like comics that they're just drawings on a page or like newspaper comics and stuff like that. But I, I think it was David Nakayama was talking to about it where he was like, when I first saw Jim Lee's like art, it just never felt like a comic. It just, it was so new. It was so groundbreaking. And it was something that just spoke to him. That's how I feel when I'm looking at these issues here. I don't, I, it, for me, it's so fluid in the storytelling that I almost feel like it's playing out in front of me and not just images on the page, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. In the present, the world is coming to an end. The Emkron crystal is decimating the universe with a crystallized wave where people cease to exist. Beast and the Shi'ar scientists speculate that they'll be hit by this wave within minutes. Londra is coming in via hologram telling Xavier it's sad that they have to die apart. Rogue and Gambit see this, and Gambit muses over the fact that Xavier and Lalandra can't touch each other. And Rogue says, toss that cigarette, Remy, and come on closer, while Archangel joins Jean and Cyclops as they prepare for the end. That photo, or that image of, of Archangel is so fucking pretty. I love it so much. He's swooping in with his hand extended. It's gorgeous. Imperious Rex loves Angel, and I, I get it. I, I mean, he's such a great character. He's only for these last two issues, though, just been like, oh, Betsy, I'm going to lose Betsy. I was like, I want to see him a little bit more proactive, but it's fine. Like, I get it. This is supposed to take place within minutes. And I thought it was very cute that he joins Gene and Cyclops, which is his oh. fellow. Yeah. Rogue is about to knock Gambit into a coma, right? Yeah. 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 We will pick yeah. up with, with Gambit <laughs> in a coma after this. I listen I love that I I wish they were a little bit more hot messes I wish they would just be like I don't understand any of the scientist shit whatever the fuck they just built here let's go off and fuck our brains out because the world is ending like right? Rogue's like I got my mutant collar here we're good you know yeah let's do this <laughs> but I I love you know there it's interesting I'm trying to think of like the psychology behind their relationship and Gambit lighting that cigarette and being like wow, Xavier and Lalandra can't touch each other. That's like really upsetting. Obviously, it's so transparent and on the nose to his own feelings about Rogue. And I appreciate that. I appreciate that quite a bit. I like the image of when Angel joins Jean and Cyclops and how like Jean's holding his hand too. Because, you know, they had, there was like something there between them kind of. And he was like, oh, I'm sorry. Like, I don't mean to interrupt, but can I just like, can I be with you? And it's that whole, I think, if you can't, like, be with the one you love, which he can't be with 
with Psylocke, um, you know, could be with your BFFs. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was just a really beautiful scene. It was like small panel, but still really, really powerful. If Lalandra <laughs> were closer, then she would have an opportunity for Xavier to demonstrate his love physically. He could hug her and then telepathically knock her unconscious because she can't <laughs> handle the stress of his job. <laughs> uh, bam, man. And by the way, Xavier's such a jerk. He does that to everyone. <laughs> he silences everyone. Danger being one of them. I think that's his greatest sin. I think you discussed that on your trial of Xavier. That is yes. his greatest, like literally danger comes online and is like, help me. Or where am I? I'm forgetting what she says. And Xavier's like, Shh, my team needs to be trained here. Like he has a habit of doing that. Okay. I just went back to like uh, Legion quest issue two. Lalandra is a holographic image there. She is coming across holographic. Um, yeah. I mean, listen, I, why Lalandra isn't there, why they wouldn't assemble and just jump straight to earth shrug, but like, yeah, sure. Like this is all happening within minutes. They don't have time to do it. It's fine. I, to echo what you were saying, Michelle, I think like the art is just so beautiful again. I mean, just to reiterate that point over and over again, it's so small nuances. And it's something that I do feel is a little lacking in the Krakoan age. Some of these beats in the art where you really are in scene with the characters and mm -hmm. you feel their emotion. Yeah, especially reading it on the Unlimited app, like the way it breaks each scene down, like you can you can view just the full page or it takes you like, like little mini panel by panel. And I think when I was reading it like that, it really helped me like hone in on the story better. Cause you're not, I mean, there's, there's a lot of imagery going on. There's a lot of things happening on a single page, but when you're just getting it in like the small like pieces, you can really see those moments unfold better. Sure. Oh shit though. You know what we didn't talk about the comicsology update and how it broke the internet. <laughs> The amount of DMs I have gotten about the Comixology app, which, by the way, Michelle, that's how I read my comics now too, digitally. Oh. I love the guided view because you see it panel for panel and it really puts you in the scene. But man, like the Comixology app updated and now you have to buy everything through the Amazon store. No one is happy. Oh my gosh. Did Amazon buy Comixology? Yeah, they've been a they've been a Amazon company for a while now, but now they're fully integrating themselves into that platform. I and that's why that. originally with Comixology, you used to be able to do in-app purchases, which I loved. You just go into the app, you know, you buy things as if you were like on iTunes or something. But since mm -hmm. they got acquired by Amazon and Amazon does not play that game because Apple gets a cut if you buy things in app. Um they, they, they switched to the model they had for years. And now they're just, everything has to go through the amazon.com store, which is a pain. Like if you type in like X-Men, like you're not going to get comics. You're going to get like everything X-Men, like DVDs, posters, action figures. It makes it impossible to find what you're looking for as someone who reads strictly digital. But Chad, do you use Comixology? Uh, I have for certain things. Yeah. Back in the past. The news is reporting on a fight between Legion and Magneto and Apocalypse Awakens, saying his order of ascension will begin now instead of a decade later as planned with Mr. Sinister. Legion tells Magneto that it's his fault mutants and humans can't coexist and he will kill him to help his father's dream be realized. 
Uh, Chad, I think this is perfect and emblematic of, you know, what you feel this story is at the core of it, which is, it is a father-son story. Yeah. I love that. We just get this, like, there's this been, been this big story building, 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 and we get one page of apocalypse. He like wakes up and you have no idea. I, I was reading the books at the time. I had no idea that he, they were about to do this crazy rewrite reality. And at the time, I want to be very clear. I did not know about like world reboots or what that looked like. The consequences of this felt very real when they relaunched the X-Men in the age of apocalypse. I thought it was like a permanent thing for a couple months. I thought like that was the new status quo our characters and their history are gone. It's like they're rebooting the franchise like DC does with their universe from time to time. And it was crazy upsetting. Uh, and then of course, a few months later, you learn they're bringing all the books back. But they, after this issue, they canceled the whole line. Apocalypse like now rules the world. It's a whole new universe. It was nuts at the time. Yeah, because information wasn't as available as it is today. So you have no idea what's going on. I didn't even know the age of apocalypse really was happening until I went to like grocery store and like the little spinner rack and I saw like astonishing X-Men and all that stuff. I was like, Oh, it's, it was interesting. And we do have an unaired interview with Scott Lobdell where he said he went into a sales meeting and they were like, what, you're going to cancel all these successful books to do what age of apocalypse. Like, so it wasn't even just readers, but like retailers were just like baffled. Like the sales team was like, you can't do this. We just have generation X right now, which we, Michelle, we've talked about it in Generation X. There is that issue where the Emicron Crystal Wave comes and Jubilee gets like sucked by it. It's it was definitely groundbreaking. And one thing I didn't even notice until this is so weird to say, and I want to say it in a way that sort of makes sense. Like for me, Age of Apocalypse just begins, and it feels like a fresh start with all these characters. But like seeing Apocalypse here and seeing this Magneto here. I'm like, these are who will go on to star in the age of apocalypse. And this is their backstory, which it's such a, the way I'm trying to articulate it is that everything just felt so separate, but like, these are those actual characters and they will progress 20 years later. And it's just, there was a lot of planting of the seeds. And that's what I really do appreciate about this because even Legion quest, those seeds were planted months in advance. I didn't have a lot of, understanding of the character legion when i originally read this story back in the 90s now that we've read like all this incredible work with legion by Cy spurrier and x-men legacy and others you know you have such a fundamental story here where it's this kid who has power he can't control who's basically saying my dad didn't love me and i'm not a good person so I'm going to go back and kill Magneto to try to make dad proud like maybe that'll change everything it's literally house of m it's yeah. Wanda saying, dad, love me. Let me rewrite reality so you can love me. But for Legion, it goes much worse. Well, it goes pretty shitty for both of them. <laughs> but it's, it's ultimately, dad, can you love me? It's that yeah. story all over again, but told with a mega level mutants. It's, uh, it's really heartbreaking, actually. You feel for Legion here. But I think that's what is a good comic book story that you feel for these characters. At the core of it, it's a very human story and you have pathos for the characters. I will say, though, as a sidebar, House of M, as it was publishing, was not well received. No one liked House of M. It has since aged very nicely, given the MCU and Wanda's evolution as a character. And for exactly what you just said right now, Chad, that pathos you have for Wanda, who lost her children, who just wants her dad to accept her. And she's rewriting reality to make him happy. I liked that they gave Apocalypse a little panel. How... (laughs) 
he was really excited. He's like, oh, some things are happening faster than I like I predicted or that I knew were going to happen. And he's like, oh, it's go time. Like he's ready for the age of apocalypse. He knows it's coming. And I I kind of like that. Like I mean, it, the build up and anticipation is good. I mean, they, the story we, I, we can nitpick, I can nitpick it, but they planned it so far in advance and they, 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 they do such a great job in building momentum. And I think that's why Legion quest goes down in history as like a really fun, epic part of this large narrative. I knew like all this stuff happened with Legion quest because I, I mean, I got into collecting and reading X-Men around the time age of apocalypse just started so when it all came out, like I knew about the whole Legion going back in time, trying to kill Magneto, end up killing Xavier and creating this new world. I, I thought like this was how all the books were just going to be from now on, because I, I was like, wow, this, these X-Men storylines are great. Like this is nuts, you know? And I, I really did think Generation X got canceled because that was the main title I was reading. And I was super confused. I'm like, where did it go? I would love to see Baby Waffle be like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, did they cancel I did. this? I know. I went into my comic book store and I was like, um, did Generation X get canceled? Like, is it in the back issues? Like, what? Um, I'm so confused. I'm like, but I really <laughs> like this new story. Like, can I add this to my pull list? Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. It, it was a confusing time and, and no one knew what was happening. And, I listen, this I, I feel regardless, Age of Apocalypse is going down. It has gone down as one of the best, you know, crossovers for the Great. X-Men. Can we can we comment briefly on the panel of storm flying like boobs first, back arch, hip back, legs bulged out to the side? It's so it's such an awkward body position. It's strange. I just yeah, I can't. Oh man, my back hurts even doing that. Yeah, it's. I listen, Daddy Magneto like upside down like that too. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. it's. I don't know. <laughs> I had a I had a college professor when I was talking about like superhero bodies because my you know my my thesis was on uh, body dysmorphia and I talked about comic books and like the images of the bodies in there and he goes. Comic books, they're all supposed to look hot and sexy and you want to fuck everyone. And I'm just like, I mean, that's fair. But at the same time, in the 90s, especially when you're looking at Storm, like she's overtly sexualized. I think we get more sexualized characters like Gambit later on. And in this modern era, I think it's a free reign on objectification. But in the 90s, very hardcore Storm is being objectified in this panel, flying like that. I'm sorry. That is a male gaze right there. I mean, that I, that looks like it hurts. <laughs> I've done photo shoots, and it, it, they always say like the more the more it hurts, the better it looks. And like this, she's gonna break her back. She, she's gonna break her back, and she looks fabulous. So I look. I mean, so, she does look. She looks. She does look powerful though. Like the yeah. like the the upper torso and like the hands going back. She does look strong. Um, and then from there down, it gets, I guess because she's flying with the wind. So that's why she's like that. Like, it's like, you know, when like the wind is intense and you go, I don't know. Um, 
But yeah, Storm tells Iceman that since Cable came back and gave them their memories, the subconscious barriers he implemented on himself are now gone. And he goes all extreme on Legion and freezes his body. However, the battle is not done. Psylocke senses Legion is about to explode with power, which he does. He then grabs Magneto, saying sayonara. But Charles jumps in front of the psychic knife and dies instead of Magneto. And so now time is now destroyed and the time displaced X-Men with Legion are no more. And the lone survivor is Bishop back in the present. The crystal wave decimates earth rogue and Gambit embrace and kiss each other as they are engulfed. And the final pages are of the various X-Men and teams all crystallized and the universe ceases to exist. Let me just comment quickly on the, uh, the sound effects, this issue, we have a, Catcha Zack. Wait, where's a, the Catcha Zack? Uh, it's during the uh, it's during the Magneto Legion fight. The, oh, the yeah. page before Upside Down, da- Daddy Magneto. <laughs> uh, and then we have Z cracked. And then yeah. during the Iceman fight, we have a Kick Chiri. <laughs> I don't even know how to say that one. Uh, but very creative use of sound effects. Uh, I do think the Iceman Legion fight, even though it's brief, is super fucking cool. We get two Omega mutants kind of at their finest uh, with Storm, of course, being the Omega in the background. Oh, and Mag- Magneto, too. There's a lot of Omegas here now that I'm thinking about it. Except for Psylocke. Oh, womp, womp. Sorry, well, be shady to Psylocke. Bishop, Bishop's not Omega either. That's true. That's true. Um. So what I like about that fight with Legion, with Iceman, to echo what I was saying at the beginning of this episode, I noticed something. Iceman is a character who puts a lot of subconscious barriers in himself. And we saw that when Emma Frost possesses him and she's here like, look at what I can do with your body, motherfucker. I mean, she's also queen. So, you know, Emma can do anything. But Bobby's like, I didn't even know I could do that. And also in House of M, we find out that Bobby was decimated, but actually he wasn't. He subconsciously repressed his powers. So I like that here we see that again, that he subconsciously repressed his powers when he had amnesia and he can only turn into his ice form because we did note that he had been drawn showing like his powers like next level, mega level. And now he kind of went back to like OG Iceman and it's because he was regressing. uh, He was repressing his powers. Um, you know, I thought it was a really cool fight too. You know, I thought it was it was fun. Consequences feel huge, uh, especially boiling to Cable Twenty, which I'm assuming you're going to review next. It's a beautiful book. Yeah, we have Ian Churchill for that one. So it's oh my really, god, I know. Point, Ian's just like he was so great. I can't wait for everyone to listen to it. I he's like just dying to talk about Cable Number Twenty, and I know Ian Churchill is one of your favorite artist right i love ian churchill yeah you should ask him to be on your show he would love oh my god yeah i'm like literally writing a note right now i'll send you his his contact info it took me a while to track it down i'll send it to you yeah that'd be crazy thank you Um, i just i want to comment on a lot of the art here as well like it's just there's a lot of those crazy words like that are happening but you can also kind of see it visually especially when Legion is, is it like a side sword that he has? Or he's yeah. like stabbing into um, his dad's skull and you just like, you see the panels kind of break away and then you see 
the X-Men kind of get warped, like, oh my gosh, like, this is a moment that everything changes. And then showing the panels where everyone is, like, crystallized and just frozen in time, and how they have, like, little cuts of all the different teams, and it's just like, oh my god, like, what, what's going to happen next? And you, I mean, we know now that it's, you know, Age of Apocalypse, everybody has a new path, but here, like, everything is literally frozen, and it's going to take on like a whole new trajectory. And I think that's, that's really cool. Just the way they, they showed that in the art. Yeah. I, I love seeing everyone get crystallized and it's worth noting that at the beginning of Legion's quest, not Legion quest, but when Legion wakes up in the hospital in Tel Aviv, he's seeing crystal forms of people around him and visions of destiny. So, I mean, this is also paying off in the art that everyone's crystallized because they were foreshadowing the Emkron crystal destroying reality. But we get Avalon with Exodus and Magneto turning into crystals in, in the present. We get Adam X, we get Wolverine and Sabretooth. We get Gen X, we get X-Force and we get Xavier and the X-Men who are in the desert as well. It is fucking cool. And if you're reading this in real time, not knowing what the fuck just happened, you're like, where are they going with the story? Everyone is now dead. So, no. um, yeah, Rogue kissing Gambit. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Once they come back in X-Men Prime, he's going to be in a coma and she's going to go down to Florida and party because she has Gambit tendencies. So she goes to Key Largo, Florida, and is just living her best life after Gambit is in a coma. And... RIP to uh to Silox Bob because that's it. Her Bob is gone. She's gonna get that magic hair after this wave. She's just going to bumble and bumble and putting in extensions because her hair is back to where it was before the haircut. I do really like the sense of misogyny aside, the sense of how the whole X-Men universe is this giant playground, and you're seeing them pull in some toys that haven't been used for a bit right here. Uh, tell some crazy stories and age of apocalypse does that even more i mean you can see characters like changeling uh come back as morph and i mean there's there's all these obscure areas of x history that are about to get unearthed it's a it's a huge payoff for the long-term fans uh which i love that's one of my favorite things yeah and you know legion quest again this is i mean i i nitpicking it we have to because we're on the podcast here but it is a fun story and if you take it for what it is there is a lot of payoff as as you were saying there's the art is beautiful as michelle has been saying there this is a quintessential x-men story and you will not be disappointed if you read it especially if you do a couple issues before legion quest which we've covered on the podcast you you get mystique who goes after legion why because he killed destiny where on your island you know with moira there i mean it's this is stuff that plays a significant role in x history and there are payoffs for it and you can look back especially in the krakoan age and see that they're mining stories from from this era it's a it's a lot of fun it's it's good storytelling you know except for the incesty leave women unconscious at your feet stuff i mean that is just gross i just i can't even with that i just don't but like, you know, like, again, if there was a purpose to that storytelling, then you could sort of look at what the, the writer was trying to say. But I think, Chad, you nailed it, which is like, this is just to show how far down the rabbit hole he is and how and how predatory and evil he is as a character. But there's no payoff for it. But that it becomes a trope, a woman in a fridge, you know, and 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 it's hard to read by today's 
understanding of narratives and what was going on at the time. But any final thoughts, guys? None, except you guys are great. And I love you both. Stop it. When are we doing our cosplay? When are you going to be Zaddy Banshee? I don't think that's liable to happen (laughs) in your future. Only in our dreams. Only in our dreams and our fan art. (laughs) I'm down. I'm down with the fan art. Oh my God. I want fan art of all of it. Um, Michelle, speaking of Gen X, though, that Pat Loika edit, which we have a Pat Loika interview in the vault that we have not aired. Uh, story oh. of my life with 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 episodes, but um, <laughs> that edit. Tell us about that edit. Uh, Pat, Pat had reached out to me about doing a few edits, um, and that was one of them. He was like, you know, when you get that done, like I I would love if you could send me some pictures, and I just I just dragged my my feet and hadn't done the armor pieces I needed. So when I took Husk to San Diego Special Edition, um, I got some pictures taken and then Pat reached out and he's like, hey, he showed me some initial like poses that he wanted and then showed me a preliminary like group shot, like what he was thinking. And he's like, just, you know, give me something that could fit in this. So Justin and I did a photo shoot and we did all these like crazy angles. Like I was like sweating. I was arching and like one. You were pulling a storm. I was pulling a storm. That's why I was like, girl, I feel that pose. (laughs) (laughs) Like I've done that. Um, But just to like get, you have to, you have to kind of fake like movement and fake things. So I think for that picture in particular, we had a stool. And I set my leg back on the stool because I had to look like I was like running forward because the inspiration shot was from uh, Generation X number one when Husk is like at the airport and she's going like this and like ripping her skin off as she's running forward. So we were trying to like replicate that in a photo. And uh, Justin was like on the floor, like with the angle. And uh, I I really like that he ended up going with that shot, but I shot like a bunch of things for him, and uh, and then he he put that together, and oh my god, it looks it looks so, so good. good. Like the amount of editing that Pat puts into that, it's like it's crazy. He gave me a whole new like calf, like from like my knee down. That's not my leg, but it looks like it is. <laughs> it's he he was here like hey can i show you something top secret and he sent me like him edit like the edited photo as he was doing it and i was like oh my fucking god that looks incredible i love pat so much such a great human and you know we're i don't know where he's at in the search for a kidney but folks you know he is going through some medical procedures he's in the search for a kidney so hit him up at pat loika on instagram if you want to help, donate. Thanks for a fun morning. This was nice to spend time Aww. with you. This is everything I wanted. All right. So, Chad. What? Chad the Zaddy. What? Chad what the Zill. Chad the Zill. <laughs> Yans. 
listen, your podcast, I feel like every day you have something new, something exciting. What's coming down the pipeline that you can share with us? We just released the, I don't know what date this comes out on, but I'll time it just according to today. Oh, okay, great, great. So we just released the trial of Quicksilver. Once a month, we put a character on trial. We have an epic two and a half to three hour episode where we recover their, uh, recount their whole history. So we just did Quicksilver. It was enlightening at a really great time, actually. Uh, So give that a listen. Uh, my next episode is just a regular old interview uh, with uh, with Mr. Dayspring here joined us and we interviewed the incredible writer Jed Mackey uh, and it was uh, wonderful. Uh, right after that we have uh, our next issue review which is X-Men number 36 from the original run uh, with oh I'm sorry we took a step back we did Fantastic Four number 28 which is uh, a crazy issue with the X-Men fighting the Fantastic Four uh, <laughs> it's ridiculous. We have a lot of fun with it. Uh, and we have uh, Bob Quinn guesting. So uh, that's what's coming out in the next week or so. Uh, Shit, we of- have a crossover episode this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk promo after this. <laughs> <laughs> and Michelle, I mean, you're always killing it on the internet every day. New looks. Tell us what's... And we have something we're, we're, we're brainstorming as well that hopefully mm-hmm. will come to fruition soon. No, I'm excited. Non-Marvel too. So it's a nice, like, it's a nice fresh, um, like not break, but it's like a, a fun project, I think. I, I agree. Mm. I, it's so funny. I, I think it was Hot Wings, the guy who does Hot Wings. He's here like, everyone always wants to talk to me about hot sauce. And like, sometimes <laughs> I want to talk about something else. I feel the same way with X-Men. Like, I love the X-Men, but I want to talk about something else sometimes. So yeah. this is why I'm excited for our non-Marvel stuff. And shout out to Sergio from X-Men Fan Club T-shirts, who's doing some art for us. I know. I love Sergio. Oh, another cutie. Speaking of cuties, like, oh my, oh my gosh. God. When, oh. Oh, in his, in his <laughs> like outfit, he, oh, oh I'm he, just like, I always throw hearts at him when he does. I know. He's, he works for the post office and him in his like post office uniform with his cute little bucket hat. Oh I'm just like, oh my God. My God. If he was delivering my mail, I'd be like, yes, can I get you some milk or something? Come on in. I'm like picturing the fifties and like, I'm home. I'm like, yeah. You'd be like, you'd be like, you brought me a package and now I've got one for you. (laughs) No, bitch. I'd be the dog who chases a mailman. That's what I would fucking do. My dog would jump in his truck and be like, take me for a ride. (laughs) You two are so thirsty and I love it. This is why we're hashtag BFFs. I know. I know. Um, but Michelle, what what exciting stuff do you have on the horizon? I feel like you're always doing something new. You always have great collaborations. I know. I love collaborating. If anybody wants to collab with me on anything, like I rarely ever say no. It just might not happen right away. Um, but I did just get asked to participate on a panel for WonderCon. So that will be happening on Sunday from like four to five talking about um, my favorite thing, X-Men. We're going to have some really fun um, panelists there. I don't want to say who they are because not everybody's committed yet, but it is going to be fun if everyone does commit. Uh, Let's see. I've got a couple cosplays in the works. I did a little teaser. So, I mean, I have Crystal from Inhumans coming. Um, mm. I'm working on a fun edit for that one. And then, I don't know, Justin, what else are we doing? <laughs> Do we have anything else happening? Is he doing anymore? 
Hi, Justin. Justin, everybody says hi. Come here. Oh, baby, come here. Come say hi. <laughs> hi. Speaking of gun shows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that is hey, good. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning, oh, sir. Oh, he, oh, he just got out the shower, so <laughs> he's extra fresh. He's extra, <laughs> and he knows. I mean, like with the hair and everything, he gets it. I know. He's like, my hair's so fluffy right now. It's so fluffy. Why is it so fluffy? So yeah, fluffy. I don't look like that when I get out of the shower. Like my mascara's running. Like <laughs> I have like cream on my face. I don't look like that. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> <laughs> he's like, okay, bye. <laughs> She's like, I can't hear anyone talk. Bye. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, you can hit me up on Power of X Men on Instagram. We do have Ian Churchill, Leah Williams, and Lee Walds in the coming weeks. Those former two are coming back so we can discuss more Age of Apocalypse goodness. And Chad, Michelle, where can the folks at home connect with you guys? Uh, Gray Malkin Lane is on Gray Malkin PP like podcast on Twitter and just Gray Malkin Lane on Instagram. Feel free to chat anytime. Uh, you will be getting me. I'm the only one that runs the accounts. And then you can find Gray Malkin Lane on any place you get your podcasts. Uh, I am on Instagram at Michelle Waffle or you can Google Michelle Waffle. I'm the only one on there. Uh, I also just recently joined Twitter. Same, same uh, handle, Michelle Waffle you can tweet me um, if you tag me and stuff. I I don't know how to check the tags sometimes, so maybe just send it to me via like Messenger. Also, although I you said a... Messenger, and I thought like an actual Messenger, and I picture Sergio. <laughs> <laughs> send it to me via USPS Sergio. <laughs> Thank you. We only accept mail from from Sergio. Thank you. Um, I also have a joint account on Instagram with my husband um, at adventures.in.geekdom where we try to chronicle our con adventures, our toy hunting and comic book collecting uh, escapades. Sounds good. All right, guys. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Well, thanks, sugar. The Age of Apocalypse is now over, and we'll see you next time.